0: Grace to you and peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. So as we mentioned before, today we're in week three of our Abraham series here at Connect. Uh, This week's topic is the promise. Last week we talked about the negotiation um, where God and Abraham uh, had sort of a negotiation at least where Abraham came to God in prayer. We We talked about what we could learn from Abraham about prayer. Um, And I told you last week that I'd be sharing another big example of when God had answered uh, my prayers. So, uh, here goes. About five and a half years ago, um, Emily and I became pregnant for the first time. And we were very excited. But just a couple weeks after that, uh, we got the devastating news uh, that our baby was no longer with us. Uh, Many of you probably have experienced miscarriage either personally or, or known someone close to you who has, and um, just kind of tore us apart and It was really a difficult time in our lives in a lot of ways so in October of two thousand twelve, a little over a year after this, um, we found ourselves up on Mackinac Island at a pastor's conference and we were on the just on the shores there of Lake Huron, and we were telling our then vicar and his wife, Joel and Erica Eden, um, about the heartbreak that that we've been experiencing. They too had had a miscarriage at one point, and we're just sharing our frustration uh, that we we just couldn't seem to get pregnant. We've been told that everything was fine that that this shouldn't you know stop anything from happening in the future, but it just wasn't. And so uh, we were we were sharing that with them and. And the Edens, uh, who at the time I think only had about 17 kids of their own, um, wanted to pray for us. And we thought, well, that, that'd be wonderful. Yeah, please do. Uh, so they prayed not only that, that God would heal you know, the, the broken hearts that were still holding on, uh, but they also prayed that, that God would give us a child. And I thought you know, that, was, that was very nice of them. We've been praying that fervently for over a year now. Um, you know, God hears their prayer, God hears our prayer, we'll see what happens. Well, nine months after that, pretty much exactly, um, Ethan was born. And whether or not that was a miraculous birth has uh, certainly seen that way to us. And um, Ethan was certainly an answer to many prayers. He's caused us to pray many prayers since he was born. <laughs> Well, today uh, we are talking about an undeniably miraculous birth. We're continuing on in the life of Abraham. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we read in chapter 12 uh, the call of Abraham, and then we read God's promise to him, uh, where he said, among other things, I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. Now this promise, spectacular enough had it been given to anyone else, was all the more so because it was given to Abraham, a man from a pagan family who by this time was already very old, who was married to Sarah, who actually before this promise is given in Genesis 11, we find out is barren. And yet God promises childless, elderly Abraham that he will be a great nation. And in our reading today from Genesis chapter 15, God reiterates and renews that promise. About a decade or so has passed by since God first made the promise, and Abraham remains just as childless as before and and a bit more elderly, but God still says to him, your very own son shall be your heir. Then he adds, you know, come outside with me, Abraham, look, look up, see the, the Big Dipper, Orion's belt, see the thousands upon thousands of, of heavenly bodies that I spoke into being before the beginning of time. You see all of that? Well, no, of course you can't see all of it, but, but if you could, that's what your offspring will be like. And how does Abraham respond? Well, much like he had three chapters and about 10 years earlier, with faith, believed the Lord, and he counted it to him as righteousness. Reflecting on this passage, Paul writes in Romans, In hope, Abraham believed against hope that he should become the father of many nations as he had been told, so shall your offspring be. He did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about a 100 years old or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. But he grew strong in his faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. You have to admit, that is pretty inspiring. But If you're honest, maybe you also feel compelled to admit that in some ways it puts your faith To shame. Do you wish that you had the faith of Abraham to believe in such an unbelievable promise? Do you feel that that your own ability to trust in God and his promises sometimes fails miserably to live up to Abraham's faith here? Well, if so, you're certainly not alone. In fact, Abraham himself is standing right beside you. Because despite his incredible faith, even Abraham encountered And even created impediments to God's promise that He allowed to get in the way multiple times. The first obstacle we see Him succumb to is fear. So uh, Emily and I, in in the months after our miscarriage, we we knew this well. You know, we'd, we'd ask questions like, "What if we're never able to have children? What if what if our miscarriage means that something is wrong forever? You know, what if God just doesn't want us to have children?" Fear can cripple us, it can paralyze our faith, and and it does that for Abraham. So, right after our reading from a couple weeks ago in Genesis chapter 12, the one where Abraham unquestioningly follows God and and leaves his family and his hometown and everything he knows behind, right after that, Abraham finds himself in Egypt where he gives himself over completely to fear. Fear. His wife Sarah was apparently a very beautiful woman and so Abraham was, was afraid that the Pharaoh and the people of, of Egypt were going to want her for themselves and kill Abraham. And, and so as you might remember, he tells his wife to tell everyone that she's just his sister. And so she does that and, and Pharaoh actually takes her into his house and uh, this didn't really sit well with God <laughs> because despite Abraham not really trusting very well at all, God's promises will not be nullified, and so he afflicts Pharaoh's house with plagues. These are actually the first plagues that hit Egypt before Moses many years later. And so Pharaoh realizes what's going on, and he reams Abraham out and kicks them out of the country. Well, at least Abraham learned his lesson after this, right? I'll well, quote our president, wrong. That wasn't, a very, that wasn't a very good impression. We need to get Alec Baldwin here or something. Well, in Genesis 20, in a different land with with a different king, Abraham does the exact same thing, kind of uh, calling to mind one of the more colorful sayings from the book of Proverbs, uh, one that really hit home is our whole family had that 24-hour flu uh, just yesterday. Um, This probably wouldn't be a good one to have us all read together necessarily, but like a dog that returns to his vomit is a fool who repeats his folly. Do you ever do that? Do you ever find yourself struggling with the same doubt over and over and over again? Do you ever find yourself wrestling with the same sin over and over again? So did Abraham. But he wasn't just afraid of people killing him to take his wife. In our reading for today, we see that Abraham was also afraid that God's promises may never come true at all. O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless in the heir of my house, is Eliezer of Damascus my servant behold you have given me no offspring and a member of my household will be my heir for years Abraham was trying to trust but he wasn't seeing any results and so like we so often do Abraham got caught up in what he could or could not see and he lost sight of the promises of God you know fear does that to us fear leads into doubt, and, and doubt leads us to despair, or even worse, to take matters into our own hands. That's exactly what Abraham does. So we've already seen how in, in Genesis 12, Abraham res- responds to the call of God and then immediately gives in to fear. Well, well, here in our reading today from Genesis 15, you know Abraham doubts, but then he believes God and it's credited to him as righteousness. This, this great moment of faith, Genesis 15. Well, guess what happens right after this? Genesis 16. Hagar. Sarah comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, t- you know, take my servant Hagar, have children through her. So Abraham does. Ishmael is born. Abraham once again loses sight of the promises of God and, and fixes his eyes instead on his own machinations and, and his own efforts. Do you ever figure that, that God isn't acting fast enough? Maybe you never will take matters into your own hands. You know, God really isn't providing me a godly spouse, so I I guess I'll I'll lower my standards and choose someone who doesn't make the Lord a priority in their lives at all. You know, maybe I'm not yet ready to get married, so maybe maybe we'll just move in together for a while and see how it goes. Or, you know, I know God wants me to love my enemies, but he has no idea what they put me through. Well, as I imagine he did with Abraham, God just shakes his head. But he doesn't give up on his promises, and he doesn't give up on us, and he didn't give up on Abraham either. Instead, a little while later, he comes to Abraham and again reiterates and renews his promise in the most specific terms. God promises to bless Sarah and to make her the mother of many nations, and Genesis says, Abraham fell on his face and worshipped. Oh, no, wait, sorry. Abraham fell on his face and laughed. Genesis 17. It's hard to blame him. By this time, he was 100 years old. Sarah was 90. God's audacity to make such an outrageous claim you know, inspired Abraham's audacity to present his alternative plan to God. You know, God, may, may Ishmael live before you. But God says no to Abraham's plan B and and reasserts his promise. No, but Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Isaac, a name that means laughter. Abraham had fallen down and laughed at God's promise. Sarah, too, when she overheard God's words, also laughed in the face of God's promise. But now God was going to give his promise a face and a name. Isaac. Laughter. The same time that next year, just as he said, God came back and guess what he saw? There was 90-year-old Sarah, tears of joy in her eyes, and a little baby bouncing on her old arthritic knees. After years of waiting and, and hoping and praying and doubting and, and laughing, Finally, Sarah said, God has made Yitzhak, Isaac, laughter for me. Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? Well, God would. God had. And God brought his promise to fruition by making Sarah's barren womb fruitful. He turned Abraham and Sarah's mocking, disbelieving laughter into genuine and joyful laughter. Has God ever done that for you? Has he fulfilled a promise or a hope or a dream that you had long given up, turning your doubt to delight and your fear to faith? Yes, he has. God gave Abraham and Sarah a miraculous birth, and it looked like the promise had finally been fulfilled in its entirety. But even Isaac was a mere shadow of the glory to come. God had said to Abraham, Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac. Two millennia later, God's angel said to Joseph, Take Mary as your wife. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. In fact, Matthew begins his gospel by explicitly connecting Jesus to Abraham as the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham. Remember, way back in Genesis 12, God had not only promised Abraham that he would make him a great nation, but that he would be a blessing, that in him all the families of the earth would be blessed. Paul says that when he did that, God was preaching the gospel beforehand to Abraham. Because at the birth of Jesus, that promise came fully and completely true. Jesus, the son of Abraham, a name that that means Savior, the Lord saves he came to save his people from all nations from their sins. In Luke chapter 1, both Mary and Zechariah's songs of praise to God both connect the birth of the Messiah to God's promise to Abraham because Jesus was that promise. And in our epistle reading from Galatians, Paul makes it even more unequivocal. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say and to offsprings, plural, plural, referring to many, but referring to one, and to his offspring, who is Christ. God's promise certainly referred to Isaac and to Jacob and to the whole nation of Israel, but the ultimate referent of this promise of God, repeated throughout the chapters of Genesis and absolutely central to the entirety of God's word and to his plan for his creation, was Jesus. Jesus. The very foundation of God's relationship with Israel, we learn from Paul, was always Jesus. Just as the foundation of God's relationship with us is always Jesus. And like we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, somehow Abraham knew this. Abraham saw this. In what amount of detail, we don't know exactly, but Jesus says Abraham rejoiced to see my day. He saw it and was glad. Truly, truly, Jesus says to us, before Abraham was, cue the lights, I am. The Jewish leaders found this claim to to be blasphemy, to be the highest possible offense, and they wanted to kill him because they didn't believe him. Because they didn't truly believe in God's promise to Abraham. Do You? If you do, if you do believe Jesus, if you believe that before Abraham was, he was, if you believe him to be the fulfillment of God's promise to Abraham and the foundation of your relationship with God, the redeemer of your soul, your shield, and your very great reward, then that means that you, you are a child of Abraham. Paul says, Know then that it is those of faith who are the sons of Abraham. John the Baptist once told the Pharisees and the Sadducees that God could raise up children of Abraham from the stones. Well, he chose us instead. You know, according to that uh, classic of Christian hymnody, Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham, and I am one of them, and so are you. So, <laughs> that, was, that was pretty weak. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So, we're not going to sing that song today, not only because that was pretty weak, uh, mostly because most of the children are over at the German Heritage Service. And to be honest, that song has always kind of annoyed me a little bit. Um, But, you know, with its kind of silly motions and and repetitive movements and stuff like that, it still uh, teaches us something very important. It tells us something uh, absolutely vital about who we are. We are children of Abraham. You know, that's our heritage. We are children of promise, just like Isaac. And like Jesus, we are both sons of Abraham and sons of God. Born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Not through the law or through our own efforts, but through faith. Paul says, If the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But God gave it to Abraham, by a promise. Despite all of his shortcomings, all of his fears, all of his doubts, Abraham's faith was true. Because the object of his faith was true. Paul says, That is why his faith was counted to him as righteousness. But the words, it was counted to him, were not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, Who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. Like Abraham, we also struggle with God's promises, and sometimes we live like we don't believe them. But the Lord sustains our faith nevertheless and enacts his promises right in front of our skeptical eyes. Hebrews says, Thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. So will you. So have you, because the promise is for you. God will not forget it. He remembers his covenant forever, the word that he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his promise sworn to Isaac and to you and to me. We are children of the promise. So let's live like it, let's laugh. Let's rejoice and let's place all of our trust in the God whose promises never fail and who offered up the son of the promise to death for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Next week, uh, we'll wrap up our Abraham series with the test uh, where God asks Abraham to offer up Isaac, the son of the promise, to death. Until then, may the peace of God, which transcends our understanding, Guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen.